Welcome back to the New Wave Nerds. I'm your host, Brennan Sam. Uh, we are back once again this week uh, with something other than an Ant-Man Quantumania review. Um, I'm tentatively going to say that I am slightly confident that there is a pretty good chance that maybe, perhaps, sometime next week, we will, in fact, have an Ant-Man review for you. We had some issues getting shade here this week, once again, but in theory, at least, he should be here next weekend, uh, so we should be able to to finally get that Ant-Man review out. I've been wanting to talk about it for quite a while, because um, I've got some thoughts. <laughs> I've definitely got some thoughts, and I know he does too, so that's going to be a good one, uh, hopefully next week. But, you know, take that with a grain of salt, because I said that like a month ago. <laughs> um, but this week, we have uh, quite a few stories to talk about. We've got uh, some new stories that we haven't touched on yet. Got some, And then we've also got some uh, updates for stories that we talked about in the past. So let's just hop right in, shall we? The top story of the week has to be, I think, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem trailer was dropped. Uh, a couple days ago, and I gotta be honest, I didn't remember that this movie was happening. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, the, the the 90s Turtles movies hold a special place in my heart. Uh, I think I saw them first for the first time as a young child, and I think they were one of the few movies that I had downloaded directly on my laptop, and I watched them like on on plane rides and stuff like that. So even though those movies aren't particularly fantastic, <laughs> they do hold a special place in my heart. Um, I, the first one's actually pretty good. The first one's pretty good. And then the second one's okay. And the third one's just like, just, just bad. <laughs> it's just bad. There's no other way to cut it. Um, but, you know, they hold a special place in my heart. But really, apart from that, I could not care any less about the Turtles. You know, they're <laughs> one of my, one of the few IPs uh, that is you know, pretty ubiquitous. They've got a lot of various iterations, TV shows, comics, movies, uh, and I really just don't care. I do want to get into them. I think I've, t- I've talked about wanting to get into the comics, uh, the original comics by Eastman and Laird, but I just really, I've never seen any of the TV shows, um, which uh, I guess, according to Shade, at least, some of the, one of the TV shows is really good, uh, but you know, Shade also thinks that Transformers 3 Dark Side of the Moon is a good movie. So, you know, take that with a great assault, like a huge great assault. But um, yeah, I really, I didn't, I'd forgot that this was happening. It, it does look moderately interesting to me, I will say. So in the trailer, uh, it's just a little short teaser trailer. I think it's only like a minute or a half or so. So go ahead and, and give it a quick watch. It's it's interesting. Uh, I really like the art style. So I was right away. I was enamored with the art style. It seems very Spider Verse esque in its in its in its design. It feels very much like it's um, a sort of comic that has been animated in the same way that that Spider Verse does. And I love Spider Verse. I mean, everybody loves Spider Verse. It's arguably one of the best Spider Man movies of all time. I know a lot of people think it is the best, but I still can't. I still can't say that. I think it's top three, though, if I'm being honest. I think I go Far From Home. Wait, no, sorry. Um, No Way Home, the most recent one. No Way Home, the Sam Raimi, Spider-Man 2, and then Spider-Verse. Though, I will say I think Spider-Verse is a better movie than 
uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man two, but it's just that I mean that's there's such a there's a big nostalgia factor with that movie. It's very iconic, so I'm gonna put that at number two. Um, but that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, I think the art style in this that they they uh, showcased here is is interesting. I I like it. It's very peculiar. It's it's an art style that we haven't seen much of in other projects apart from Spider Verse. Um, so it's good to see that. But then immediately after that, I was turned off <laughs> because specifically Donatello sounds like he's an eight-year-old boy. Now, I looked up the age of the actor and he's 15. He just has a little squirrely voice, which uh, I feel bad making fun of. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I And this is more of a personal thing. Um, and I get that this movie isn't supposed to appeal to me. It's supposed to appeal to like, you know, young viewers around that age. But I've always thought that the the turtles are much more interesting if they're more on the the older range or the older uh, side of the that that age range. Like if they're you know sixteen and up, uh, I feel like they can have. It, it's, this is going to be a stupid sentence. <laughs> it's much more believable to me that these <laughs> mutant turtles would be able to, you know, fight the evil and, and be the heroes of the city if they're, you know, 16, 17, 18. Because obviously, you know, a 16 year old is going to be much better at doing almost anything <laughs> compared to a 12 year old. I mean, the emotional intelligence is going to be higher. Uh, the problem solving skills are going to be better. The intelligence, the actual like intelligence will be, will be their knowledge base. I should say um, it's going to be larger. They're going to have a, a, a greater skill set and they're finally coming into their, you know, physical prime, you know, somebody in, I granted, you know, I'm coming at this from a, a human physiology wherein they're mutant turtles. <laughs> so th- I don't, this probably doesn't necessarily apply, uh, but you know, a 17 year old, child is really finally starting to come into their physical prime and so i think it's more believable to me (laughs) that these mutant turtles uh would be able to save a city from an army of mutants at 17 rather than 12 which i don't think is necessarily a hot take but like i said i understand that this is you know a children's movie so it's it's to be geared towards the the younger audiences so you know what does it really matter, ultimately? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, apart all the other turtles sound like, you know, they're in that 14 to 15 age range. They, uh, they're they starting to grow up. But just Donatello sounds like he's 12 years old. It sounds like Donatello hasn't hit puberty yet, which maybe is going to be a plot point. Maybe that's going to be part of the reason that they make fun of him and he's sort of like the um, the, the joke because he's nerdy and, and whatever. I don't know. Maybe that's going to be the route that they go with it, which... No, I just thought of that. That I, I wish I had thought of that earlier because that's a, that would actually be interesting. That'd be fair. It'd be a good way to see that sort of family dynamic a little bit more. Speaking of the family dynamic, this trailer really only showed that, right? Obviously, it is a teaser trailer, so there was no plot points. I don't think that were uh, shown. It was really just to sort of showcase the the art style, the general tone of the film, and show a little bit off or a little bit of the um, the family relationship between all the brothers. You know, obviously, we're going to have the standard Leonardo, Raphael headbutting because we have to. Wait, did they even show that in this trailer? I went back and uh, listened or watched the trailer, and uh, I don't think they actually showed any of the um, <laughs> Leonardo, Raphael headbutting. Uh, I was just thinking of a, of a reel I saw on Instagram the other day 
that just popped up on my feed for some reason wherein there was that that had but but obviously that's going to have an impact on this there's that's going to be at play there um it does sort of show the um the family fun aspect of of the turtles relationship a little bit just in the beginning there um with the weird with the weird opening that's another thing is that it's weird to me that um it seems like they would they're trying to shoehorn teenage mutant ninja turtles into like the 21st century because in that opening they're like filming a youtube video of like a some stunt thing or so i don't know it's super weird it's gonna be a weird movie um i'm not entirely confident i'm not excited uh if you can't tell so i will not be eagerly awaiting this film <laughs> but i'm sure i'll watch it when it comes out so the actual tagline i guess i i should say that is um which, which the grammar on this is a little bad but this is the, the tagline that pops up on IMDb, and I haven't been able to find a tagline anywhere else, but it says, The Turtle Brothers, as they work to earn the love of New York City while facing down an army of mutants. Uh, so that's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, we saw from that there was Bebop and Rocksteady in the trailer, so that'll be interesting. But that being said, uh, I think I've waffled enough on the actual content of the movie. Uh, let's take a look at the cast list. So... The movie's coming from directors Jeff Rowe and co-director Kyler Spears, both of which I looked on their IMDb page and have done minimal work. Uh, nothing particularly highly rated. Children's TV shows, you know, like one of them did Gravity Falls, which is a show that I know is actually moderately popular, but I had never seen. I think that was that. I think that came around or that came out around the age where I was like, "That's kid stuff," <laughs> you know. Uh, everybody goes through that. Oh, maybe not. 2012. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I would have been 10 years old when this first started. So I would have been starting to get into that stage where, where you know, you're like, you're too cool for this children's shows. Though I def, I definitely still watch like SpongeBob and iCarly and stuff, <laughs> but that's not the same because those were, you know, nostalgia, um, produced by Seth Rogen, uh, interestingly enough. So, I mean, in theory, it's going to be at least partially funny, but I don't know, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, so the main characters for the film, Leonardo is played by Nicholas Cantu, Raphael by Brady Noon, Michelangelo Shimon Brown Jr., Donatello by Mike Abbey, who I think I mentioned earlier sounds like he's eight years old, but is in fact 15. And Splinter is going to be played by Jackie Chan. Is that racist <laughs> to make it Jackie Chan or would it be racist if it weren't Jackie Chan hmm <laughs> but anyway yeah so Splinter being played by Jackie Chan rounding out the cast list we actually have a pretty a pretty star-studded cast surprisingly enough we've got uh Paul Rudd Giancarlo Esposito uh Rose Byrne Seth Rogen John Cena <laughs> Uh, who, man, you guys know, longtime listeners of the show will know that uh, I'm not a fan of John Cena. I think he sucks both as a person and as an actor. We also have Maya Rudolph, Ice Cube, uh, Post Malone, interestingly enough, and Hannibal Buress. Buress? I think it's Buress, but I don't know. So we've got a pretty a pretty solid cast of, of, of individuals. Pretty funny, solid, a solid crew all around. Um, I think Seth Rogen is playing Bebop 
and John Cena is playing Rocksteady. Those are the only character names that I recognized when I was going through this cast list. Um, but like I said, I am not a big Turtles guy. So these might be big characters that I just have no clue who they are. And pe- fans of the fandom are going to be like, <laughs> are going to think I'm stupid for not knowing them. Yeah, so they, that is set to be released uh, August 4th. Keep an eye out for a trailer for that. It should be coming, you know, in the next few months or so. Moving on, our next piece of news that is new uh, is something that I am super interested in. So this is uh, James Wan, you know, of, of Aquaman, Saw, The Conjuring, uh, Insidious, and his most recent film, Megan, is going to be producing a TV show based on the Eisner Award-winning comic miniseries called The Good Asian. Now, I am really interested in this because it is a sort of 1930s noir thriller. Uh, I'm a huge fan of, you know, noir, of noir detective stuff. I mean, like the Maltese Falcon, uh, Chinatown, obviously. I'm really enamored with that uh, style of film. It's fascinating to me. And it sucks to me that we don't really necessarily get to see movies of that style quite so much anymore. But it is a noir thriller, and it follows a Chinese-American detective named Edison Hark on the trail of a killer in San Francisco Chinatown in the 1930s. James Wan, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of as a director, but he has shown, like, quite a bit of variety. I mean, obviously, you know, most famous for Saw, and uh, which is obviously, you know, a a sort of gory thriller (laughs) uh i was trying to think of a family-friendly way of saying that um uh obviously he did the first introduction the first conjuring movie i think the first insidious movie as well and then with his most recent film megan normally a horror director but he has shown that he can do other stuff you know i mean he did the uh aquaman movie which is i mean not a great film i'm not gonna lie but it was good it was fun it was enjoyable i think it's the highest grossing dc film DCEU film, which I guess isn't that surprising to me. That's not, let's be honest though, that's not because it's a good movie. That's just because people want to see uh, Jason Momoa get mostly naked. (laughs) You know, Jason Momoa is just a hunk. Um, Shade Shade is in love with Jason Momoa. Um, Too bad he's not here to pine over him. But He's also doing Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom, uh, which might be good. (laughs) I'm not entirely confident on that one either. But, you know, very different style uh, of movie Aquaman is from from like Saw, you know, not exactly a horror film. (laughs) And I guess I I think that shows that he at least um, is not confined to a genre, which gives me a little bit of hope that this is going to be moderately decent. Um, and I mean, granted, you know, it's not, as far as I know, the show isn't being directed by James Wan. It's just being produced by James Wan. Um, so he's not, in theory, at least going to be playing a direct hand, but he'll be overseeing this and maybe be able to give some some good insights. But the original comic of, of the name The Good Asian, I already said it was uh, an Eisner Award-winning miniseries. Uh, I think it was released in May of 2021, so a fairly recent one. Um, it was written by... Okay, um, this name, (laughs) this is going to be bad, Um, both in the fact that I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, and in the sense that it just sounds hilarious. Uh, So brace yourselves. It was written by Porn Sack Pichechote? Porn, Porn Zock? I don't know. Um, 
it's a very a very interesting name um <laughs> uh very unfortunate i'm sure it's definitely not pronounced porn sack but still that's a pretty unfortunate name to have <laughs> i think um but yeah so he's a, a thai thai american and um he for a while there he was in uh working with dc in their vertigo imprint so he had a hand in uh he played a role in the swamp thing and the sandman comics um which sandman i know was very popular i think it already it even has a tv show which i think has good reviews um i remember when it came out everybody was sort of a, a big fan of it i still haven't seen it because i wanted to read uh the comics first and i think there's literally a million there's like i think almost like 75 issues or something um and i think they're long issues so i haven't gotten around to it good reviews though as far as i can tell but even further from that porn sack uh, <laughs> sorry uh poor uh, i'm gonna call him piche chote Though uh, that's definitely also mispronounced. It at least doesn't involve me saying porn sack on, on this podcast. Uh, he then played a role in the um, the DC media team as far as TV shows go. So he played a, a role in uh, the creating of the Gotham TV show, the Constantine show, as well as uh, Arrow and The Flash, which Gotham, I've only seen the first season, uh, but that was really good. I know Shade loves it. And as far I liked, I think I saw all of Arrow except for maybe the last two seasons or maybe even just the last season I missed. But it was good all the way through, I thought. In The Flash, I felt like the first three seasons were good, but then after that it went downhill. That recently ended. It had a, a the series finale, finally. I think it went on for like nine seasons or something, so that was just a little ridiculous. <laughs> but regardless, he played a role in those shows, which are all very, very well received, at least in the beginning. And like I said, the comic won an Eisner Award, which is is a pretty prestigious award. I know that Ed Brubaker, I've talked about Ed Brubaker a lot before in relation to Captain America. I know most of his, I think his whole Captain America run won an Eisner Award, which is fair because it was this sort of, you know, rebranding of the Winter Soldier. And and that was obviously uh, the same time period as Civil War happened. Man, I got to reread that comic run. That's when Bucky took over Cap. Oh, so good. (laughs) Um, But... Regardless, this is one that, you know, it was just announced not that long ago, so we don't have much information on it, but it's going to, it's one that I'm going to be tracking a lot because I'm interested to see how it, uh, how it falls out, falls out, how it, how it comes about. I'm interested to see where the chips fall. Is that a phrase? Uh, I don't know. Not, not important, I guess. Um, moving on, (laughs) we're going to end that real awkwardly. That was good. Nice segue. Now, the rest of these stories are going to be uh, just sort of updates on stories that we've covered in the past. So for starters, I want to start with an update on Hellboy the Crooked Man. This is one that I am super excited for, as I discussed last week. Um, And so I'm probably going to be following it pretty closely. So expect many more updates, (laughs) I think. We've got some casting announcements. Quick recap of the story here. Um, so Hellboy and company get stranded in 1950s rural Appalachia, and they find a community of witches led by a local devil connected to Hellboy's past, the Crooked Man. Uh, so notably, Jack Kesey, or perhaps it's Kessie, likely Kesey, uh, from Deadpool 2 is going to be playing the titular Hellboy. 
So that's pretty exciting. I wasn't a huge fan of Hellboy 2. Oh, excuse me. Of um, I wasn't a huge fan of Hellboy 2 either. But uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Deadpool 2. I didn't really like the first Deadpool, though. Like, it was funny, but... I think I might have discussed this before. Those those movies were funny, and I enjoyed watching them once, but I don't think I've ever gone back and rewatched them. So, you know, take that how you will. <laughs> he played Black Tom in Deadpool 2. Not one of the major characters, I don't believe. Uh, I think he just had, like, a little bit part. I don't think he was a member of the sort of team that um, uh, Deadpool... Jeez, why couldn't I remember his name? that he put together. Oh, maybe he was actually, he's pretty high on the, um, the cast list. I just missed it going or missed it earlier. Let's see. Let's see if I can find a picture of him from Deadpool too. Oh man. I just looked him up, man. This is not who I thought, uh, <laughs> this is not who I thought he was at all. Wow. Yeah. I haven't, um, I haven't, I haven't seen this movie in forever. I don't remember this guy at all. Wow. But anyways, <laughs> he's going to be playing Hellboy. Um, and in in the announcement of his casting, they made sure to hit home the fact that it's going to be a younger Hellboy and it's going to be more true to the comics than we've seen before. They've, they've been sure to really emphasize the point that it's going to be much more uh, comic accurate, which is good. Uh, I think it's going to be good, especially with Mike Mignola writing the, writing the story. Um, I, I've got really high hopes for this. I, I, I love, <laughs> I, I really do like Hellboy. Those movies also hold a special place in my heart. Um, again, not because they're particularly great. I don't know why, because I definitely didn't see them as many times as I saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. I think I've only seen the Golden Army like twice, but I've seen the first Hellboy like eight times. And I've talked about how I've, I've been trying to get back into it and read the comics a little bit more. I have read the first volume um, and I have the second volume on the shelf there that I'm looking forward to reading. Uh, and I, I, I think I talked last week about how I think be, there's ample opportunities to make that a sort of burgeoning franchise. Is burgeoning the right word? <laughs> Beginning to grow or increase rapidly. Not quite. Kind of. Wait, what did I say? It could be a burgeoning franchise? I guess that's right. You know, it's not exactly the, the proper context to use that in, but I think it's close enough. It gets the point across. What am I even talking about? Oh, yeah. So apart from the casting of Hellboy, we do have some other, uh, some other updates. Jefferson White is going to be playing the character of Tom Farrell. Now, Jefferson White has been on um, the lauded tv show of yellowstone i believe i have as of yet not seen this this show either but i know that it is everybody over the age of like 50 is currently in love with it it <laughs> you know and i don't mean to attack you if you like yellowstone but i gotta be honest um i've only really heard old people talking about it so take that as you will it's i think i just saw it won an emmy or maybe it was nominated for an enemy an enemy an emmy just nominated it looks like but regardless, I know it's a super popular show, and I think it's even, it was so popular, or maybe this isn't the first one, but there are multiple spinoffs. I think 1923, and what's the other one? It's another year, um, 1883, both of which are, 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 incre are increasingly popular as well. So, pretty interesting. Um, now, as for the character he's playing, Tom Farrell is uh, Hellboy's human homie in the comics who 
is trouncing around rural Appalachia with him. Uh, that's there's not really much as far as his character goes. I believe he is a member of the uh, BPRD and not just a uh, uh, somebody who exists in the uh, in 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 the past. Um, uh, let's see who else do we have. Uh, another casting we have is Adeline Rudolph, a lady from Riverdale and Netflix's Resident Evil. As far as Resident Evil goes, I have not seen it, uh, but I know that it was so horrible <laughs> that that it was canceled after one season. And from what I've heard, everything about it was terrible. The acting, the writing, the directing, and then the actual just content of the show itself. So, you know, take that how you will. Perhaps this character is going to be stupid, <laughs> but Adeline Rudolph will be playing Bobby Joe Song. And Song is a character who is not in the comics anywhere so we don't obviously have any information as to what that character will be doing but i think it's safe to assume that they'll also be a um a a a member of the bprd they could of course end up being a witch but bobby joe song is not exactly a 1950s witch name so that leads me to believe that they're going to be a member of the bprd that gets trapped in the past there however they bring that about and then uh Let's see, the final bit on Hellboy. This isn't actually technically an update because it was an interview given like maybe three weeks ago, but I only just saw it. But the director, Brian Taylor, has said that the movie's going to have a, or sorry, the original source material has, quote, a lean and mean, creepy folk horror vibe. So that's interesting. It leads me to believe that perhaps it's not going to be the, um, strictly the traditional action movie that we've had from the past past three uh hellboy movies which is good because like i said if we're trying to be more comic accurate hellboy is not purely an action comic there's also that little bit of detectiveness detective thriller aspect of that and then he also said that the original material is quote dark and scary and violent and adult so in order to really embrace that we just don't want to have any handcuffs on end quote which is um, interesting. You know, it sort of leads me to believe that it's going to be, you know, a, a very gritter, gr- gritter, oh my lord. It's going to be a very gritty uh, movie, which is which is going to be good. I think it suits that style better. And like I said, you know, Mike Mignola, the original uh, comic writer, is going to be writing the story. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty, pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good about this movie, uh, even though that the cast list doesn't appear to be partic- particularly awe-inspiring just yet. It's still obviously super early, uh, and so we've got quite a ways until we really see anything coming out of that. But that's one that we'll uh, continue to track because we're big fans of Hellboy here, so stay tuned for more news. Next up, our next story, we have uh, some another update on the Penguin TV show. Now, as some of you may remember, I love the penguin (laughs) both the comic character and the portrayal of him uh by colin farrell in the batman the 2022 movie so i'm really excited that this show is is moving forward i'm I'm glad that we're seeing some more news so a quick recap of this story it's going to be uh following oswald cobblepot's evolution from underboss to criminal mastermind so Obviously, in the Batman, he's a, he's not exactly respected. Uh, he's sort of just there. You know, he's not in charge. He doesn't really get the respect he deserves. He's kind of shady. And in the comics, you know, obviously, he's much more of the 
top level mastermind who everybody sort of fears and respects and realizes is super smart. So in this show, we're going to be see we're going to see him transform a little bit more into that. And uh, in doing so, it's going to further expand the Gotham City underground uh, and the, the not the underground, the Gotham City underworld uh, and the crime aspect that was introduced in in the Batman, but not necessarily explored all that much. So, as far as the cast goes for this, obviously Colin Farrell's back as Oswald Coppobot. Joining him, we have Clancy Brown, who will be playing the role of Salvatore Moroni, which is great. I'm I'm so excited that, you know, we're going to see sort of the um, expansion of the, the Gotham City crime syndicate. I think that's really interesting. Clancy Brown is a very well-known actor. He's got a very well-known face. Uh, he was in Shawshank. Um, Shawshank Redemption, and he played Black Hand in the Warcraft movie. <laughs> uh, that's not a notable role, because uh, nobody really likes that movie, but I still thought it was worth mentioning. <laughs> um, but I was looking through his filmography, and he's actually done a lot more like voice actor work than I expected. The actor obviously has a very distinctive voice, so it makes perfect sense. But I just hadn't realized. I mean, he's done, you know, the voice work for various um, animated Marvel and DC stuff. He was in uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. He was Long Fang. Ryder Azadi in Star Wars Rebels. You know, so he's got a quite, quite a... Um, a collection of voice acting credits, which really shocked me. But I like him. He's not, you know, as far as I would say, a, like the, a great actor, like a capital G great actor. Um, but he is a lowercase g great actor as far as I'm concerned. So that's interesting. Um, and I'm glad to see that that character based off of, of you know, Clancy Brown's sort of typical acting profile is going to be a very sort of, you know, cold man which is interesting i'm glad that we're gonna see uh even this more more sort of dark and gritty aspect let's see who else do we have in this cast list oh yes this is one that i'm pretty excited for sophia falcone uh daughter of carmine falcone who you may remember was the rat in uh the batman uh and ultimately shot by by the riddler i think after after penguin i mean i haven't seen this movie in a while but i think after they found out that he was the rat uh the penguin was going to shoot him uh because obviously you know he broke the rules <laughs> um and, but then the riddler ended up murdering him i believe so sophia falcone is going to be played by uh a childhood crush of mine <laughs> we have Kristen miliotti she was the um the mother from how i met your mother uh which is great i like i really like her uh, I think she's funny. She's not done too much stuff, but in the few things that I've seen, I think she's really good. Sort of a different a different style of character than we typically see from her, you know? But interesting nonetheless. I, I, I like that she's getting the opportunity to sort of expand her uh, repertoire, let's say. So th the reason <laughs> that I'm talking about this is because we got some new set photos. We got some photos of, of, of Colin Farrell's Cobblepot walking around and also some photos of him and Falcone, Sophia Falcone, uh, having a, a nice little dinner in, in a restaurant. <laughs> um, and their costumes are, are much more reminiscent of their sort of comic counterparts. So Penguin is wearing a slightly, a more, a purple 
uh, jacket, although it's a very dark purple. It's much more muted than his stand than uh, the sort of image that you would ex- you uh, picture from the comics. And he's also driving a purple car, which is interesting. <laughs> but uh, as far as Sophia Falcone goes, she is wearing an overcoat that is this sort of white overcoat that is um comes from the Long Halloween and the Dark Victory comics, which were some of the, well, maybe not Dark Victory, but the Long Halloween is one of the most highly acclaimed Batman comics of all time, right? I mean, so these were written by um, Jeff Loeb and art by Tim Sale. And the Long Halloween, notably, has been the inspiration uh, for both, well, part of the inspiration for both The Dark Knight and... 2022's The Batman. So this is pretty interesting. In uh, in that comic, we see Sophia Falcone, who is the leader of the Falcone crime family. She's battling this murderer. I don't want to say serial killer, but a murderer. I guess actually technically a serial killer. Yeah, a serial killer named Holiday, who, similar to the Calendar Man, murders people on uh, you know festive dates, and he's targeting the Falcone crime family. And uh, so spoiler alert for the comic, though it's it's been out for quite a while. I still think you should read it, despite the fact that I'm telling you the spoiler. Like I said, it is one of the best comic or one of the best Batman comics of all time. Um, it turns out that Holiday is actually her brother, Alberto. And uh, I won't I'm not going to go into the details of exactly how that happens or exactly what happens, because like I said, I do think you should read it. But long story short, there's an altercation there, and Falcone gets pushed out of a window. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Falcone gets pushed out of a window by uh, Selina Kyle, by Catwoman, and um, she is paralyzed. Now, in the sequel to that, Dark Victory, it turns out that Falcone is not actually paralyzed. She was faking it so that she could become uh, this killer the hangman who sort of you know attacked the police department and and all the other jazz (laughs) um but ultimately again spoiler for dark victory ultimately sophia falcone is then murdered by two-face by harvey dent and it's worth noting that in the long halloween the long halloween is harvey dent's or is Two-Face's origin story. It is a story of how Harvey Dent became Two-Face, and it's sort of been considered, you know, the origin story that every other comic has drawn from. So that is really interesting to me. <laughs> Obviously, we don't have any Harvey Dent in um, in this universe yet, though I have long said that I think Harvey Dent is going to be introduced in the Penguin TV show uh, because I think Two-Face is going to be the sort of secondary villain in in the Batman part two. I think that'd be super interesting. Obviously, that's massive speculation, right? It's sort of, it is making a bit of a leap just based off the fact that this character, we know that this character is in this show and the comic, and she's wearing a coat that is reminiscent of her comic counterpart. It's a bit of a leap. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. You know, I'm not going to act like we have proof that that's going to happen, but it seems to me that, that is going to be the direction that this is vaguely heading towards, given the fact that The Long Halloween was part of the inspiration for The Batman and Dark Knight. And, you know, Two-Face is one of the most famous Batman villains of all time, right? So I would I would assume 
that we're going to be seeing him, especially given the fact that his character arc, his story arc in the comics appears to be pretty relevant to what what we've got going on here. Now, I, I think I just realized we do have a little bit uh, another sort of reason that I think Harvey Dent's going to be in, at least in the Batman 2, probably the Penguin TV show, is if the, um, we know at the end of The Batman, the lady uh, becomes mayor. And I don't remember what her name is. I want to say it's like Belle, something Belle, or maybe Belle something. Bella Real, that's what it is. Yes, she is was elected the mayor, and we know that she was running on um, this sort of campaign, this platform of cleaning up Gotham, getting rid of the corruption. Um, so it, it seems reasonable to me that she, being the new mayor, would back this new DA, Harvey Dent, who comes in and tries to clean up the city, but ultimately goes about it the wrong way and uh, turns into Two-Face. I think it sort of tracks with the, the the story of him that we get in The Long Halloween. You know, he's the DA, he's Gotham City's White Knight, and slowly, ever so slowly, you know, there's these things <laughs> that happen. And I think even in The Long Halloween comic, they're in the courtroom, there's a trial going on. I think uh, Harvey Dent is targeting the crime family, and he's got Sal Maroney on the stand, and he throws acid in his face, and that's how he becomes Two-Face. And given the fact that Sal Maroney is going to be in this show, if they're not, I would, I'd be surprised if that happens, if that event takes place in this show. But I would not be surprised if they real, if they use this show to sort of build that up. You know, this, if there's two storylines going on here, if um, the show mainly focuses on the Penguin, who is obviously trying to get rid of the Maroney crime family and trying to solidify his position uh, because clearly there's going to be a sort of power struggle between uh, Sophia Falcone and Cobblepot, right? Because, you know, Cobblepot is the underboss of the Falcone crime family. He's the logical choice to succeed, and yet Sophia is his daughter, right? So there's clearly going to be a power struggle there. I see no... <laughs> no possibility of it being a sort of thing where they work together. They have to be, uh, you know, struggling against each other. And the second, the secondary storyline of the show, I could easily see the um, election of Harvey Dent as DA and him going after the Maroney crime family. And subsequently, maybe at the end, I don't know, maybe there's, there's some goings on where he's working with Penguin or working with Sophia. But then I could see it going where at the end of the show is when he is building up his case against Maroney. And then in the Batman part two, we get the actual Maroney trial, wherein he gets the, the acid thrown in his face and he becomes Two-Face. That's, that would be super interesting to me. <laughs> I would lo absolutely love to see that. Mm, fascinating. Uh, and furthermore, if we're assuming that the long Halloween and the dark victory are going to be inspirations for this show uh or at least a, a sort of maybe indirect inspiration if not a direct inspiration then it tracks that we might also get a, a zoe kravitz cameo of uh, of selena kyle because you know she is the daughter of carmine falcone that makes her the half sister of uh sophia falcone there could there could be some way to set up some headbutting there and obviously I, as i mentioned earlier in the comic, 
Catwoman is the one who causes Sophia Falcone's, quote, paralysis, right? So that would be an interesting dynamic. And we have, it has been rumored that there's going to be a Robert Pattinson cameo as well. So it makes sense that they would perhaps try to bring in uh, Selena Kyle as well. But yeah, so this, um, this show is going to be incredible. <laughs> I can feel it. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to get my hopes up. I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but it's really, really hard because everything I'm seeing is it's making me think it's going to be phenomenal, right? Obviously, the the Batman was great. I love Penguin just as a character. I loved Colin Farrell's portrayal of him. I love the sort of uh, gangland, you know, crime mafia stories in general. You know, The Godfather is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> you know, I've, I... I'm really trying hard not to, but I'm definitely going to be hyping this up until it comes out. So much so that I'll probably be disappointed when it comes out. And I'll have nobody to blame but myself. That's how it always goes, though. But man, yeah, I'm so excited for this. I don't, I, uh, th- this is one that I, I've set up. I almost never do this, but I've set up Google Alerts for the Penguin TV show. So <laughs> I'm, I'm getting like emails all the time about new stories coming out. So you will all likely be receiving some more updates for this show as well as, as we continue. Moving on, our final story of the week is an update for Joker Follet Adieu, bringing it back to our second episode. Um, obviously, a couple weeks ago, we had the very first set photos revealed showing off uh, Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Well, now we have some further updates. We have a, a set video that was captured, and it would appear as though Joaquin Phoenix is running down the street, uh, which he does all the time, I guess, <laughs> you know, as you do. Who doesn't run in the middle of the street, uh, considering that happened like three times in the first Joker movie? I'm sure it's going to happen another three times in this one. It's his favorite pastime. Well, that and murdering Wall Street, guys. Anyways, uh, this set video shows Joaquin Phoenix running down a street and seemingly being chased by what would appear to be two versions of himself. Granted, you know, the set video is uh, from up above. It's just a bystander who I would assume it was just like chilling on his balcony while they were filming below and saw this uh, and decided to whip out his phone. But according to that video, it would appear as though it's two past versions of Arthur Fleck. If we're assuming, according to the video, that the one in front is the main Joker, then the two Jokers behind him, one would appear to be him in full Joker regalia from that we saw at the end of the first film. And then the other one would appear to be him prior to his full mental breakdown. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about this, obviously. Some people have thought that this is an allusion to the Jeff Johns comic, The Three Jokers, which I don't uh, I don't think that's it at all. So, again, spoilers for that comic, but this is one that you don't necessarily have to read because I don't, th- I don't even think it's all that great. It was fun, it was interesting, but, you know, not a huge fan of it. The Joker commits three crimes all at the same time at different parts of the city and at the end we find out that it is literally three separate people who have been infused with the joker's blood and have subsequently been turned into jokers themselves it's a real stupid concept i'm not gonna lie i didn't like it at all but it's interesting because the three jokers are 
sort of the archetypes of the Joker that we see in in the Batman comics throughout history. I don't remember the actual names, but there's one who is more like the early Joker, you know, most not really a, a cold-blooded killer. He's more of a jokester, right? Um, and then there's the other Joker who is more of like the, the ringleader. He's more of the crime syndicate kind of guy. And then there is the third Joker who is just a sadist. Um, and I think it's actually, it's a really interesting concept, but I didn't like the fact that it was literally three different people. You know, I, I it would have been much more interesting to me if it was just one guy, but it was like three different versions of his personality. Um, but that's just me. Like I said, I don't think this is, this is, uh, an allusion to that. Let me, let me rephrase. I think it's probably an allusion to that comic, just in the sense that there's multiple Jokers, but I don't think it is the actual same, in any way similar plot line, right? Because like I said, in that comic, it is three literal different people, whereas my guess from this video is that it's just him going crazy. You know, it's the, the further deterioration of his mental state, wherein now he's imagining these two people. And maybe, again, this is pure speculation, but... My guess would be that he's like going crazy, having a conversation with himself. And maybe it's at this like fork in the road moment where he's trying to figure out who he's going to be. Maybe he's trying to figure out if he wants to be Arthur Fleck or if he wants to be the Joker, right? And so he's having this confrontation uh, and he visualizes the different aspects of his personality. One of which is just the standard Arthur Fleck that we see at the beginning of the Joker movie, wherein he's obviously, you know, severely mentally ill, but he's not necessarily psychotic. And then the other aspect is the Joker that we see at um, the end of the film, who is incredibly, you know, nihilistic and psychotic and kills Murray. And it's like, yeah, it was funny that I killed those guys. I killed them because it was a good joke you know whatever that seems much more likely to me <laughs> although there has been a, a third possibility that i've seen floating around that they are just copycat jokers that they are just people who saw him dancing on the car or saw the videos online and they are just impersonating him which is a possibility obviously because we know literally nothing about the scene but I also don't think that's true because, like I said, one of the joke, only one of the jokers is an actual Joel, F or excuse me, Jeezy, Jeezy. Wow, I can't talk. Only one of the jokers is in the full Joker regalia, right? He's There's only one of the three versions that is actually wearing the Joker suit, and the other one just looks like a regular dude. Um, and we don't see any of their faces, but it does look like they're Joaquin Phoenix body doubles. So I'm, I'd be, I'm pretty confident in just saying that this is just him going crazy. <laughs> and I don't think that's necessarily a hot take, but yeah, I really, I don't foresee it being anything other than him going a little more cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs as, as it, as it were. But yes, I'm super excited for this. This movie comes out, I want to say October of 24. So we've still obviously got quite a ways to go. Which really sucks now that I, th I thought that it was going to be this year. Man, <laughs> oh, that sucks. I really thought it was October of this year. But yeah, uh, October of 24. So pretty excited for that. I'm j just based off of the way the first film went. I'm sure this one's going to be incredible. I'm a little bit iffy about the fact that it's going to be a musical. Like how much of a musical is it going to be? 
when they say it's a musical, are we talking like full on like Grease <laughs> or is it going to be like Joker or is it going to be a, a musical in the sense that A Star is Born is a musical, that Elvis is a musical, that Bohemian Rhapsody is a musical, or is it going to be a musical as far as Grease and Chicago go? You know, I mean, there's a very different, I, I wouldn't classify, you know, Elvis, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, whatever the other uh, one I said was A Star is Born. I wouldn't really like classify those as musicals, though there is a very musical aspect of them or to them, I should say. So I don't know. It's curious. We'll see. <laughs> we got a we got a, a ways to go before that comes out. But yeah, up until that, until that comes out, we'll just have to be satisfied uh, by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that's all I've got for you this week. Like I said, hopefully next week there is a possibility that perhaps the episode will likely maybe be the Ant-Man Quantumania, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania review, possibly. So I don't know like what the actual percentage chance of that is. In theory, it's a done deal. But like I said, that's what I've been saying for the past like three weeks. So if not... We'll, we'll be back with uh, something else. <laughs> we'll, we'll find something else to, uh, to satiate your uh, need. Because uh, I'm sure that uh, listening to this podcast is an integral part of your day. Of your week, I should say. But yeah, that's all I've got for you. <laughs> uh, make sure that you uh, tell your friends about the podcast. You know, word of mouth is the only way. Uh, it's the most effective way to really grow. Uh, especially because we have no money. Uh, so we can't exactly pay for ads, <laughs> but yeah, word of mouth is the way that most podcasts grow. But yeah, so I suppose that will that will uh, wrap us up this week, um, and we will catch you next time.